0: Heart of Grief is a program by Certified Grief Recovery Specialists Lori Penner and Brian McGee. Brian and Lori are not professional counselors. They do not offer therapy. If you are experiencing a crisis, please reach out to your local emergency or healthcare providers. What Lori and Brian offer in this podcast is an authentic, personal familiarity with the pain of loss and a straightforward approach to recovery that has proven transformative in the lives of thousands of grievers. As proud sponsors of the Grief Recovery Method programs, Martin Brothers Funeral Chapels in Lethbridge, Alberta, are pleased to partner with Brian and Lori to bring you this podcast. We hope our listeners will discover genuine, practical help and encouragement.
1: And welcome back to our listeners. This is Brian. And this episode is publishing on May the 11th, 2021. The goal was to uh, have it out on the 1st, but things uh, didn't work out for that. And so here we are on May 11th. So many years ago, I took part in a Bible study program titled, What Do You Do When You Don't Know What To Do? I remember it being a good study, but what I remember most is the title I think our topic for today's program deserves a similar title. What do you say when you don't know what to say? I hope the title will be memorable to you. I also hope there will be just a few very helpful things in our content as well. Some things you can remember and take with you into what can be awkward conversations. When someone we know has experienced a loss, either through a death or some other difficult change or ending in their lives, we want to respond to them in appropriate ways. We want to say and do things that will help, not hurt. What is very common, however, is that we don't know for sure what those helpful things are, and that bothers us. We anticipate seeing our person at some point, and we might even dread it. We do care about them, we just don't know what the right thing is. As I reflect on my own experiences with this, I think I have usually got by okay with just a simple, brief expression of condolence, such as, I'm sorry for your loss. Being normally short on words in social settings has probably served me well in that way. However, I know there have been situations where I have been expected to say more, and have, and have totally missed the mark. This causes me some regret. If that rings true for you, then join the club. The club of most people, we who feel inadequate addressing grief. For me, it's been my training and experience with the Grief Recovery Institute that has best equipped me with tools that I feel are appropriate and helpful. So to begin... Why is it that we have such a difficult time with this? Well, my my opinion here is that we don't learn growing up how to handle loss well. And we don't learn how to talk about it well. Most likely, we learn to avoid it in various ways because, frankly, none of us do well handling difficult emotions, either in ourselves or in others. What we end up doing and saying is just what we heard and observed others, the adults in our lives, doing and saying as we grew up. That's what we've got to work with, but we often don't feel it's quite the right thing, and often it is not. Now, although dealing with bereavement is not funny, we do feel it's okay, even important, to recognize the humor in situations. It helps us keep balanced, to see the bigger picture when painful circumstances are constricting our view. A cartoon has three friends together in a condolences line at a graveside. One young man whispers that he has no idea what to say to the grieving family. The young lady in the group offers, simply say, I'm sorry for your loss, then move on. The clearly uncomfortable young man steps up to the bereaved family and says, I'm sorry for your loss. Just move on. Now, I'm not sure what adjective to give to that kind of humor. If it were a real situation, it wouldn't be funny at all. It would be devastating. And believe me, such things are said. Of course, the humor here comes from just how close it resembles reality. The reality is, first, that it is common for us to feel uncomfortable when offering condolences. And second, and sadly, it's common for us to end up saying unhelpful things. One of Lori and my uh, colleagues through the Grief Recovery Institute is a lady named Laura Jack. Laura has written a book on this topic. It's called The Compassion Code with the subtitle How to Say the Right Thing. When the wrong thing happens. It's published by Cat Biggie Press, I hope I pronounced that correctly. And is available online or at a bookstore near you. There's a whole lot of helpful guidance in Laura's books should you wish to dig in more. For this short program, however, I'm going to offer just a few suggestions and then some important principles about responding to loss. First let's recognize that there are different levels of relationship and therefore different levels of communication. Let's begin with perhaps the simplest, where we aren't particularly close to the person or family, but we know we will be seeing them and we will want to say something. We maintain that it is almost always appropriate to express a sincere condolence. I'm sorry for your loss. Or I was saddened to hear about your mother. Here are a few principles for these brief encounters. First of all, saying something is better than saying nothing. Even the simplest expressions, when offered sincerely, are appreciated and appropriate. On the other hand, a head nod, or a handshake, or even a hug when allowed, without words, is often received as uncaring and perfunctory. When we are struggling with what to say, It may seem more honest to say nothing. However, it doesn't come across that way to the griever. Better to admit, I just don't know what to say, but I want you to know I'm sorry you're having to go through this. Secondly, mention the person or the loss. I'm sorry to hear not just about your loss, but I'm sorry to hear about your mom, or I'm sorry to hear that your job has ended. Thirdly, Be personal, if possible, as possible. Something particular about the person as it relates to you. So, your brother was a great neighbor, always friendly and looking for ways to help out. Then here are a few things to avoid. First of all, stay clear of telling your own loss story. That may be okay later on. But initially, let it remain about them and their current loss. Then, connected to this is, don't tell them you know how they feel. Though you may have had a similar loss experience, none of us can really know how someone else feels. Every relationship is unique, so every loss is accompanied by unique feelings. We certainly do know how we felt uh, at times of our significant losses, And there may be a a point in time when we're relating to another person when it's okay to share those things. But even then, we really don't know how they're feeling. And so we don't want to suggest that we do. Rather than, I know how you feel, it's more helpful and more accurate to say something like, I can't imagine how you're feeling. Thirdly, Stay away from offering suggestions or advice. First off, it's not advice that a grieving person needs. It's simply to be recognized and supported. Second, most of the advice we tend to offer is not helpful. Research tells us that a huge percentage of the comments and suggestions received by grievers early following a loss is found to be unhelpful. And four, Here's a caution that Laurie asked me to be sure to include. Avoid comments that begin with, at least. Out of our desire to encourage a hurting friend, we sometimes want to point out ways that things could have been worse or where there is some positive factor to be acknowledged. At least they didn't suffer. Or at least you have a supportive family nearby. Or at least you're young and can start again. As much as the things we mention may be true and positive in themselves, they are totally secondary to the loss. They have the effect of dismissing the particular hurt the person is going through. It can give the impression that the griever ought to be shifting their thinking towards something positive, when what they need is to be assured that it's okay not to be okay. And of course, that phrase coming from the popular book by Megan Devine, and also, by the way, from a South Korean TV drama, which I know nothing about. The most important things are to be there, be brief, be sincere, and be personal when it's applicable. We can do our best and still miss the mark with someone, of course. More than once I've become aware of this myself. I think the important thing here is that when we feel we've been short of helpful, to simply look for an opportunity to tell the person, apologize, and reiterate our care for them. Usually these conversations occur when there is a closer, continuing relationship with the griever or the family, where further visits are likely. Again, we may feel hesitant in these situations, not knowing what to do or say or how to be of help. Too often as a result, those grieving are left alone for quite a while following the initial support. That can be very hard and isolating for them. Here are some ideas for those follow-up conversations. The first thing to know is that for the most part, people want to be allowed to talk about their loss. If it was a death, they want to talk about the person who died. You may ask if you could drop over or meet somewhere when they feel open to it. It's good when you can suggest a time and a place. Then simply ask if they would like to talk about what happened or about the person that died. Please don't make the offer if you aren't in a position to give some time for it. Then simply go with what they say. Maybe at the moment they'd prefer to hear about what's going on in your life and talk about other things. Let that be okay as well. If they want to talk, our role is simply to listen. We don't need to advise or compare losses or offer ideas about how long they might be feeling bad. If we knew the deceased, it would be okay to share some things from our memories. Often the best we have to offer is an admission that we don't have any advice, but we are available to listen. Always thank the person for sharing with you. You may be surprised at how appreciative they are to have simply been heard without interruption without suggestions of how they might move on with their life. There is much more that can potentially take place in an ongoing supportive relationship. Laura Jack covers this very well in her book mentioned earlier. There are also some great blogs on the Grief Recovery Institute website. You can check the links in our program notes for those. Then finally, I want to talk briefly about how best to offer help. Often we want to provide some practical help or support to a bereaved friend or neighbor. There are some preferred ways to approach this. Here I'm going to draw from a little brochure titled The Art of Condolence that is taken from an article by John Spade on Life.com. John is summarizing an interview he had with Russell Friedman, co-founder of the Grief Recovery Institute. The first suggestion is to avoid putting the onus on the griever with the assurance that you're there for them and they should let you know if there's anything you can do. This leaves them with the work of remembering your offer and wondering what and when might be okay. Simply put, they're not likely to call. So be more specific with your offer. If it's food related, for example, ask what would help them most be prepared to suggest a particular day and meal. Then, Russell suggests, keep your offers right sized. Look for the things that are in keeping with the level of relationship you have with the person. Rather than promises of large blocks of time or regular visits, maybe there's one particular errand you could run for them, or an occasional phone call. When there are children involved, Perhaps it means avoiding a promise of regular babysitting, but a willingness to help on occasion when the person has a meeting to go to. The goal is meaningful and practical care while keeping it workable for you and, as Russell puts it, without crowding the bereaved. Well, that's about it for our What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say program. As always with this show, our desire is to begin with some honest conversation and to offer some starting places with proven helpful ideas. I hope we've achieved that for you today. I sincerely hope you will feel just a bit more confident the next time you're in conversation with a hurting friend. And please know that the greatest gift you can give is some of your time and a listening ear. Be encouraged. You have a lot to offer. Thank you for caring. Thank you for wanting to care well. And thanks so much for listening. Please take care of yourselves. Lori and I plan to be back with you around May 21st. As mentioned, we love to receive comments and questions from our listeners. We invite emails to feedback at theheartofgrief.com.
0: If you'd like to send us paper mail, it can go to the Heart of Grief Care of 610 4th Street South. Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, T1J4P3.
1: And of course, you can subscribe through your podcast service provider.